So, um, first of all, I have to make amends to the group uh, because I gave you homework for steps six and seven again this week. Um, and thank you for pointing that out. Um, I guess I forgot how I do this. I guess I must be supposed to be giving you homework for the steps that we're covering next week, and I forgot. But I made up completely different homework for step six and seven, so you get a double dose of step six and seven. So actually, the one this week is really great. So uh, I think better than last week. Uh, so it's good I redid it. Anyway, there is that. And so I'll come up with uh, like multiple homeworks next week. But this will keep you busy right here, I'll tell you. Cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment, that'll. So um, tell me about that exercise. So the ones on the table are the ones you brought tonight. Yeah. Okay. And the ones from last week are going to be available. Well, you don't really need them because <laughs> Well, no, it isn't the same. It's different. It's, it's the same steps, but different, different things. There, we put those out, too. Yeah. Yes. Good. Oh, but that's all you're going to tell me? <laughs> I want the content. Oh, you don't have to. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. Certainly, the conversation is private unless you choose to make it public. So. Uh. No, no, it's not. Um, it was like my analogy of, of or how I saw my process. You know, I said, I'd said to her, well, you go, you go ahead and tell me you know, how you processed number one. And she went ahead and, and told me, and I thought, okay, yeah, okay, so that's exactly what I did, but with me it was my husband, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm right. He, he does it his way, I do it my way. We end up to the same conclusion, but I'm determined that the, my, my way of doing it is the right way. Mm -hmm. And, um, but in the end, it's not always my route that's the, the quickest route or the, right, the best route. Mm -hmm. So she, she said that they, she does the same thing, but we, her analogy was different. And the same thing applied to all three questions. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Any other comments? There's something about a cheeseburger, I guess. <laughs> something about the sound. Yeah. Well, we were talking, because... It's better for the recording. Oh, sorry, I'm going to... Oh. I'm in a 12-step, and he is not in a 12-step per se. So when we were talking about um, character defects, sort of um, the example that was brought up is intensity, like to, to be like kind of a type A personality. And I kept going back and forth going, but is that a character defect, or how has it harmed you, and how has it harmed other people? And that's where we were really kind of struggling mm -hmm. in terms of because type A could be kind of good in certain areas, mm -hmm. and then, right. but how does it harm you, and how does it harm other people? And so we really, it was kind of pretty confusing, actually, I think. We didn't really, were able not to really figure that out. So actually, I'm interested in what you have to say about that. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that term, just so that we can uh, get it out of, the, out of the way. Character defects, I, I don't have much sympathy with that term. 
I, I don't think it's very useful. I think it's really important to explore the thing that I think they're talking about, <laughs> but I, it sounds solid, you know, and it sounds like we're defective, and those, either of those things seem in harmony with the Dharma, uh, where we understand everything as being impermanent and fluid and without solid identity, and not no fixed identity. So, uh, and and what the way you're talking about it is something that interests me a great deal, which is that I think that many of our traits and qualities are that are the ones that our own individually traits and qualities. can manifest in positive or negative ways. And it isn't so much the quality itself, but the way it's expressed. So just in the same way you're talking about, yeah, someone who's very uh, ambitious or energetic and engaged, they could be, uh, that could be sort of hyperactivity and and, um, kind of restlessness and disruptiveness and if it's driven by greed, hatred, and delusion, the three poisons, you know, it's just a mess, you know. So you wind up with uh, some, you know, overbearing boss or political leader or someone who's just, you know, out of control. On the other hand, you know, somebody who's motivated by compassion and love, who has that kind of energy or generosity, you know, is is going to get a lot of great work done and they're they're just going to be very we're going to view them as passionate rather than overbearing right um, so uh, you know I th- I think it's really all about how it manifests I mean from for myself the example I have for myself is that when I started to practice meditation I became very aware of how much I fantasize you know that I'm dreaming about this and dreaming about that and and uh, not that that's a, a term, you know, so unusual, but I think it's sort of a, a particular, you know, that's, that's uh, a big theme in my mind. And um, eventually I started to realize that that was also coming from the same place where my creativity came from. As a musician and a writer, that, that, that fantasizing is also called imagination, you know, and again, so it's how it manifests. If it manifests with a, with a practical uh, purpose, it can be really useful. If it's just dreaming your life away, smoking another joint, it's kind of wasting your life. So, so these are just, it, you know, I, I hate to bring up something that's, that's so discredited as astrology, but uh, if, if you ever had your astrological chart done, as many of uh, us of my generation did. A good astrologer always told you this, that this isn't predictive. It's simply these are potentials. And that's, that's how I see these things. These are energies and potentials within us that can manifest. We, so in some ways, I don't think that our personality I mean, essentially, I don't think our personality does change, whether we get sober or whether we become enlightened or whatever. 
we've still got these traits. Uh, you know, the, uh, there have been a couple people that I've met who were said to be and seemed to be really spiritually evolved and, you know, enlightened, whatever that means. And they had really uh, strong personalities, you know. <laughs> there was nothing like wishy-washy about them. Uh, but all of their energy was put towards love and service and, and the Dharma. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it's about becoming a different person. I think it's about uh, transforming the, maybe, well, you know, changing our motivation, changing our intention, and uh, manifesting the qualities that we have in positive ways. Uh, I mean, even the critical person, uh, can that, even the person who looks on things very negatively, and I know one or two people like that, uh, like one of them is sitting here, actually, um, that that can be a po useful quality, you know, uh, because it sees the things that aren't working. You know, <laughs> you need critical people, right? It, if everybody's really positive, they don't you know, sort of see the flaws in things. And so, uh, you know, yeah, you don't want to be living your life totally negative and looking at what's wrong with everything, but uh, that's, a, that's a useful quality too. So, um, it's kind of like, you know, we, if somebody's really generous and helpful, that can be great. But if they're not taking care of themselves, then it's codependence. You know, uh, the same kind of thing. Usually, you know, the codependence, the recovering codependents that I know are still really generous and kind and helpful. But they also are generous and kind and helpful to themselves. So that you know, they're not giving themselves away. Wow, so um, I'm thinking this should have been 14 weeks now instead of seven, because it's like we're, we just get into a step, you know. I'm still ready to go back to step three and four. Um, and, and I'll say that uh, just for as an out for myself and for you, that uh, step six and seven are really, are pretty thoroughly covered in my second book, Burning Desire, and I get into really the, the main topics for me about these steps now are the things that we do to bring about change. So, um, in A Burning Desire, I talk about different types of practice. So, mindfulness and insight practice, uh, and, what, and the changes that can come from that. The concentration, calm and concentration practice, the things that can come from that. The loving-kindness, compassion, forgiveness practices, the change that can come from that. And then the contempl contemplative practices, and what can come from that. So to me, steps six and seven are the ones that have to be 
most uh, re-understood from the language of the 12 steps. So step six says, we were entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Step seven says, we humbly asked him to, uh, what is it, remove our, yeah, remove our shortcomings. So the defects of character become shortcomings. But, but this whole, this is, these are extremely dualistic, and they're very much about, an, they seem to very much to be, be about an external God, and it's hard to, hard to read them in any other way. Uh, you know, I, I quote Buddhadasa in my uh, book where he says that asking God really means beseeching the law of karma through our action, not merely with words. He says that it's not enough to pray or to have faith, that really what this means is to take do the actions that will bring about the results that you want. So it again comes back to that simple <coughs> law of cause and effect, which is a lot more easy to understand than how the hell does it work that I ask God to change me? And, uh, you know, even I remember going to the 12 and 12 and trying, hoping that Bill Wilson was going to explain this stuff and, uh, and never being satisfied with his explanation. So I sort of feel like I've had to try to figure it out for myself. And so that quote from Buddhadasa really helped me because it made sense to me as a Buddhist practitioner. Oh, okay. You know, if God is the law of karma, which is one way of defining God, so the, the law of cause and effect, then at least it's an aspect of God, then the way I'm going to change is that I'm going to live in harmony with that. I'm going to take the actions that need to be taken. So that's what the Eightfold Path is. You know, it's this, I know I've talked about, I say this, I said this around step three, and, but I don't think it can be repeated too much that, that uh, this is a description of how to let go and how to change, how to transform yourself, how to be become free in the same way that the steps are a description. But the, um, the Buddha is talking about a larger, more basic uh, um, problem. He's not just talking about a specialized problem of addiction. He's talking about the problem of life. And, he's, and in there, in the Eightfold Path, is the five precepts under the category of right action. So that's fundamental to change, is to live a moral life. Right intention, just what we've been talking about. That the actions that you take, whatever your energy and whatever your personality, that you manifested in the most positive way. Right view, that you see reality, that you see the Dharma. So that's like I was talking about seeing your thoughts as objects rather than subjects. So that's a Dharma view. That's a right view. Oh, this is how I create suffering. This is what I'm attached to. This is where I need to let go. Um, so we have these 
you can call them ideals uh, because I don't think we should think of them as things that we're supposed to do now. But they, they kind of give us a framework for how to change. And the Buddha operates across a wide spe spectrum from the behavioral and ethical all the way up to the spiritual and the um, really the highest forms of, of wisdom which is right view, ultimately, is the highest form of wisdom. You know, the, the Eightfold Path also includes right livelihood. You know, what are you doing with your life? How are you devoting your time? Where are you putting your work effort? It includes right speech, which is in the precepts, so it must have been important because it shows up twice right there. Now, uh, you know, if you just can learn to use your words, as we say to the little ones, you know, use your words. Tremendous change in our lives when we do that. And then it's got the three elements of meditation, right effort, using your energy skillfully, using it wisely. Where are you putting your energy? A lot of us waste a lot of energy, stress, uh, overwork, uh, oversleep, I don't know. Um, and right mindfulness to tr try to really be awake, and then right concentration. This is one of, right concentration is you know, something that's really undermined by the way we live today. So hard to concentrate. You know, one of the things that the you know, Nielsen's ratings with TV are, you know, it's it gotten really complicated because, of course, people put things on DVR, they stream them over Netflix, or it's, you know, on demand. And, but also, people are, more and more people are watching two screens at once. You know, they're tweeting as they're watching, you know, American Idol, right? And they're going through Facebook and, you know, you think you can develop concentration? <laughs> you know, if you can't even pay attention to one television show, you know, I mean, that's not a lot, asking for a lot of concentration. But, you know, it, and so we actually, it's not just that our concentration is getting, it's, it, we're splitting it, but that as we split it, we are weakening it. So instead of cultivating concentration, we're weakening concentration over time. Um, so this is, you know, there's, I was, I was going to say, there's nothing more to transformation than to just follow these eight things, you know. I, you know, it's a lifetime's work. It's many lifetimes' work according to traditional Buddhism. And when you look at it, you can see that that, yeah, it, it take me a lifetime just to get one precept down. It took me 35 years at least to get one precept down. Um, so, beseeching the law of karma through our actions, not merely with words. Asking God to remove our defects of character. Take the action to make the karmic change. That's what it's ultimately about. So, I thank you for uh, a pleasant evening, and um, 
Let's just uh, close with a moment of contemplation and reflection. The Buddha called his teachings the middle way. And each of us needs to find what that means for us. In the 12-step world, we say, progress, not perfection. So we take on these teachings and we look at these ideals. And then we see how much we're willing to do today, trying to keep open the possibility that tomorrow we may be willing to do more, to go deeper. Never say never. So may our practice continue to grow. May our recovery continue to deepen. May our willingness continue to grow as well. And may all beings be free from suffering. And I will just remind you that I am supported by your donations, so whatever you can give tonight is greatly appreciated. I will see you next Thursday, March 7th. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.